The World Cup is drawing near, PK signs up for the swear, and Liverpool are up for sale. I'm Dan Burke, and named in my squad today is Matt Froelich. Oh, very nice. Who else? That's it. <laughs> Just It's a very small squad. I like a small squad, you know? Yeah. Don't be also working with a small man squad. Keep, keep you on your toes. I've got my tracksuit on. I'm going to put you through my pace, put you through your paces, and, uh, as, the, as the saying goes, and uh, yeah. So my form has been good enough to make the squad. I've made Absolutely, mate. You were the first name on the team sheet. <laughs> And I was the first name, last name, and surprise pick. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm flying the plane, and uh, you're my co-pilot. That's, that's <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I feel a bit ill, actually. I think I've got World Cup fever. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I bring that joke out every four years, and everyone fucking hates me for it. So, sorry, guys. I'm about to pull it out. No, I'm actually... I'm, I, I, I know it's become very cliche to say, oh, you know, the World Cup's 10 days away and I'm actually not really thinking about it because the league season, mm. blah, blah, blah. But now, you know, the squads are announced over the last few days. There are quite a few out and obviously England's just now. I'm feeling a little bit more of a buzz for it. Yeah, I um, am actually. Yeah. And I thought, really thought that I wouldn't, wouldn't feel any buzz at all and didn't really want it to happen. But I'm starting to feel a bit like, it's here now, let's... Let's make the best of it, I guess, really. Yeah, yeah exactly. You might, might as well, I'm not going to sit there and be like, I don't like the World Cup. And just sort of not get involved in football. Like, you know, it's not an ideal World Cup for sure, but mm. it's here now. I'll try and support It's not players. an ideal world. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not an ideal world. But um, it <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. feels weird that we still have one more game to play this weekend. Mm. Like, there's still one more round of Premier League fixtures and then full steam ahead, Qatar. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, well, I'm also feeling a bit ill today, but mainly because we had our team night out last night. And, uh, well, you sensibly slipped off uh, I did. quite early I got your beauty sleep I was out until daft o'clock in the morning <laughs> being very silly so uh, if I if I doze off at any point during this podcast it's not because you're boring me it's because I'm very very tired <laughs> till daft o'clock I haven't heard that in a while yeah that's the that was the official time that I got oh, yeah, home daft o'clock that's what it said on my watch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, amazing. Right, let's get on with this shit then, shall we? Because uh, we've got loads to talk about. We've had some some big World Cup squad announcements uh, over the past couple of days, as you mentioned. Uh, the main one is uh, pretty hot off the press as we record this. The England squad has been announced. Um, so, you know, a lot of names in there that you would expect. A few surprise ones as well. Um, let's, let's go through them. So James Madison, were you surprised to see him in the squad and are you happy that he's in the squad? I'm happy that he's in. He's deserved it with some brilliant former season. I was surprised just because... Southgate never really throws a surprise, basically. He never switches things up too much. And and I, I think I spoke about it before that when there's very little time to bed a new player into the England system, the way England play, the England camp, the culture of the team, you know, um, I just didn't expect Southgate to do it. But I guess, you know, he's the surprise and Conor Gallagher is mm. the other surprise. Yeah, maybe actually having two people out of a squad of 26 isn't so ridiculous. You know? it's, <laughs> not like, it's not like half the team are newbies. Um, and I also don't expect Gallagher even less so, but I don't expect them to get too many minutes either. Yeah. Um, so That's the thing about well, Madison, because he's a very good player, isn't he? A very, mm. really good player. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, but I think he's been a bit unlucky to uh, be around at the same time as sort of Foden and Mount coming through. I think that's hampered yeah. his, his England chances a lot. And I think it's good that he's got the recognition and been called up for, for Qatar. But I wonder actually whether he's actually part of Southgate's plans, really. Like, is is he going to get on the pitch at any point? Is he going to be in... He's not in I don't know if he's in England, England's best 11, necessarily. Um, I don't think so either. What, are you, are you saying Southgate's just sort of done it for a good bit of PR to be like, look, guys, maybe, I do, yeah, you know, yeah. I can be a bit wild. 
Because there's been a lot of complaints in recent weeks about why is Madison always overlooked, isn't there? And I wonder if this is maybe Southgate getting people on board a little bit before the tournament begins, but whether he whether he's actually thought it through properly and whether he knows how to... Well, Tactically, it doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, Madison's yeah. at number 10, and in Southgate's five-man defence, two defensive midfielders, and then three-pronged attack, there isn't really space for a number 10. No, no. And I think to, um, you know, you mentioned Foden and Mount. To their credit... Foden's far more versatile than just a number 10. In fact, he never plays number 10 because Man City mm. don't really play number 10. Um, mm. And Mount as well has often played in, you know, inside forward positions for Chelsea or, and, and a few times in central midfield. I don't see the same happening with Madison. I don't see him as a, as a winger replacing, you know, Sterling, Foden, Grealish. I don't see him as a centre mid replacing Rice, Bellingham, uh, Gallagher, funnily enough. Uh, mm. Phillips, I can't remember who else is it. Henderson. So there's not really... It, it screams to me a sort of, we need a last 10 minutes worth of creativity. Mm. Let's see if we can get him on the ball. Which I don't is not, think the, there's, not the worst shout in the world, is it, really? It's yeah. not terrible. Woody, Woody is a creative player with a great set mm. of pieces too, but I think you're right. There isn't, there isn't a massive game plan to have Madison in there. He's, you know, he is as we mentioned, a wild card, a joker, as they say mm. in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another quite surprising name is Ben White in the squad. Uh, I think he, he's earned it. He's played really well for Arsenal this season. I wonder if he's in there as a right back, really, with with Rhys James not being available, Kyle Walker not being very fit, Trent Alexander-Arnold not being uh, flavour of the month in Southgate's eyes, really. I wonder mm. if if maybe that that right back spot is Ben White's for the for the Iran game in the opening Game yeah, Cup. yeah, I, I think he's he's deserved it. He's been brilliant for Arsenal. But yeah, you're right. The versatility's there. Because there, there's one fit left back, right, in Luke Shaw. Mm. So that would mean... If, Trippier probably play there. Exactly. Well, yeah. So Trippier... For, Trippier for me is first choice right back and first choice left back cover mm. for Shaw. So if at any point, you know, Shaw's not injured or playing or suspended, or blah, blah, blah. If Trippier goes out to the left, then Ben White's good cover for right uh, right wing back. But also, I think right centre-back, to be honest. If Walker mm. isn't fit, right, which I'm not sure if he's going to be fully fit by the first game, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Ben White start as right centre-back. Yeah. And I think I think he'd be brilliant. Be quite happy to see him there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, Callum Wilson, he's been called up. Uh, not a controversial one, I don't think. Maybe a little bit surprising that he has been called up and... Ivan Tony and Tammy Abraham didn't, or do you think that was fair enough? Um, it's always a very harsh one, this, because they're always basically fighting to be number one mm. bench, number yeah. one bench player behind Harry Kane. Um, and chances are Kane's going to play nine, 90 minutes every match. The, the other funny thing I find about Wilson is um, I feel like almost maybe it's a little bit harsh because he's only been good this season. Or is that is that doing him a little bit of injustice? I mean, I'm I think looking... he's he's probably been in the best form of his career this season. But I'd say he's been good in previous seasons. I mean, when fit. Yeah, last season at Newcastle, eighteen games overall. Yeah, he was he which, had injuries last year. Didn't injuries, he? eight goals, got twelve and twenty six the year before, which yeah, is not a bad return. Um, he's obviously been very good, but I I would argue that Abraham had a very good year last year. I mean. Even Tony, even to Ivan Tony, even Tony, Tony, um, <laughs> has maybe been a little bit more consistent than Wilson over the course of however long. But I'm not suggesting that Wilson doesn't deserve it. I no. think you know he's been a very good Premier League regular. Maybe, maybe I'm looking at it through the view of 
Tony, Abraham or Wilson, none of them even come close to putting up the numbers that Kane does. Yeah. And it feels like as soon as Kane's not there, it's a massive drop-off in quality to the other centre-forwards. Yeah, all being well, Kane plays every minute of every game, basically, doesn't he? And uh, Yeah. It, but if he uh, you know, does his ankle playing for Spurs at the weekend, then I think England are probably in a bit oh, of trouble there. Don't, I don't know say if... that. <laughs> You well, could you call know. a replacement up, right? If the FIFA doctor, you can, yeah, you can't, you can, but like you said, that replacement is not going to be anywhere near Kane's level, is it? Really? So it's, uh, it could be yeah. a problem, but it'll be a, a little bit odd. I, and also, you know, according to Conte, Kane is really, really tired. That's mm. what he said in his press conference. So, yeah, I'm not too sure, really. For, for me, England's problem as well, though. Kane's been brilliant. Is that there needs to be goals from other areas. Yeah. Mount Sterling, Grealish. Everyone needs to chip in with way more. Yeah. I know Sterling scored a few at the Euros. Everyone needs to chip in with more goals. Still, he's not in good form this season at all, is he? You know, who else is going to find the back of the net if not mm, Kane? Grealish can't. Grealish can't score for Toffee for City either, so it's yeah. uh, a little bit yeah, of a exactly. concern. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Alex was saying that he doesn't think England are going to get out of their group, which is uh, <laughs> I think is a, a very hot take. But uh, I saw maybe, this maybe negativity, right. yeah. and Alex, I'd, I, you're going to listen to this, and I'm going to tell you when you're next in the office. You don't get to celebrate when England make it through. <laughs> <laughs> When England win the group, he doesn't get to go, yes, get in there. Absolutely not. Agreed. Uh, Last word on England for Kyo Tomori. Do you think he's been a bit unlucky to not get in the squad? Yeah, I would say uh, very unlucky, especially given some of the players in front of him. I think Maguire's form has, well, been non-existent because he hasn't played much. I think Eric Dyer's form has taken a bit of a nosedive pretty much ever since he was called up in September. Uh, he, he, He was brilliant and deserved that call up. And then since then, the last two months has been pretty woeful for Spurs. Mm. And Connor Cody, yeah, I kind of get the feeling he's doing a bit of a Pepe Reina, like in the Spanish squad, you know, just there for the vibes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, apparently a really good person to have around. So, yeah, a very harsh on Tamori, I think. Mm. I feel a bit sorry for Dan Byrne. I was kind of hoping he might be the uh, the wild card choice at one point, but uh, yeah, alas not. Yeah, That would have been really cool, I think, you know, but Newcastle have got quite a few representatives, which... Mm. This time last year, when they were rooted to the bottom of the table, definitely <laughs> would have been wouldn't have been something what we said. So fair play to them, and I, yeah, I think Burns really good, but maybe maybe just wasn't quite meant to be. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Germany, they've announced their squad today as well. Uh, Matt, mm. Matt Hummel's not in the squad. That's a, a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, that was a weird one. He kind of after the 2018 World Cup, Yogi Lowe said, "Right, enough with the old fogies. You, Muller, Boateng, you're all out." Mm. And then kind of worked his way back into it for Euro 2020, uh, which is obviously 2021. And now he's out. They've got some good defenders. Obviously, Antonio Rudiger's brilliant. Uh, Nicolas Zula, Schlotterbeck and Ginter, um, Be- Bella Kotchap. Um, oh, yeah, from Southampton, yeah. Yeah, the, the Southampton kid is busy day for him getting called up and having a new manager in, um, <laughs> uh, was it Nathan Jones? Nathan Jones, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, all, all busy on his phone. Um <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit harsh. Maybe they're just sort of looking forward to the future. It's not one of those where it's out with the older players and in with the younger players. Like Sula and Rudiger are still very, very experienced. Mm. You know, he's not leaving like a bunch of brand new young centre backs in there. Um, yeah, it's a shame for Hummels on a personal yeah, level, I'm indeed. sure. And a shame for Marco Royce missing out oh, through injury. God, yeah. Story of his life, that isn't it, really, unfortunately? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's real. I think the fourth major tournament. He's missed yeah. out on. Yeah. Four out of five. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, yeah. But, but Mario Goetze, the hero of the 2014 World Cup final, is back in the squad for the first time in five years. I didn't think I was going to see that happen, to be honest. Especially <laughs> yeah. when he went to PSV. I thought that was kind of it for Goetze. But he's uh, he's back. He's playing for 
Uh, is it Frankfurt? Frankfurt, yeah. I was going to say Gladbach then, yeah. I always get those yeah. two mixed up, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well done for offending both sets of hands. Yeah. Uh, no, I really like the Gertz's back in. Uh, may, maybe it's that, you know, fairy tale. Everyone kind of mm. likes a little bit of a story. Um, what I found really funny was obviously he's he's in with Yusufa Mukoko. Yeah. From Dortmund. And um, when, got, when Gertz has scored that goal, that World Cup final winning goal in 2014, Mukoko would have been nine years old. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and I just think that's really funny, just a little nine-year-old to be like, yeah, in eight years' time... He's going to come back and I'm going to be in the squad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But look, Gertz has done pretty well for Frankfurt. And after mm-hmm. all those injury worries he had at Dortmund, and he had a stomach problem, a metabolism uh, yeah, problem. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, for him, like, I'm delighted for him. That's really cool. Obviously, sad for Royce, but great for Gertz. And it's kind of, it's almost like coming full circle, right? He was the new kid on the block mm. when, it, when he scored the winner, came off the bench in that final. And now he's like, you know, 30 years old. He's one of the older heads. It's, uh, Ah, it's quite nice. It's quite quite a cool thing for him. Look, if anyone's got the know-how of how to win a World Cup, it is quite literally the guy who scored the winner in the <laughs> yeah, World Cup final. Exactly. So, yeah. what more experience do you want? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Timo Werner was out injured, of course. Uh, Nicholas Fulkrug from Werder Bremen has got a call-up. I don't know an awful lot about him, to be honest, but uh, our colleague Helga is a Bremen fan. He's, uh, he's very excited about that. So, uh, yeah, that'd be one to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, that's like another one at the other end of the scale because he's mm. 29 years old. Mm. Um, and so he hasn't played too many seasons in the Bundesliga if I remember maybe four or five uh, but he's the highest scoring German this season and the yeah. second uh, second in the goal scoring charts in the Bundesliga to Christopher Nkunku so I'm getting German Ricky Lambert vibes from him almost <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think he worked in a factory at any point but yeah uh, <laughs> Ricky Lambert work in a factory yeah he worked in like a, a jam factory or something I think something mad like that <laughs> until he was like 25 or something and then he was like he was like a late bloomer wasn't he wow a jam factory right <laughs> that's it we always have something stupid that we want people to tweet in that the best footballer jobs that you've ever heard <laughs> that's great yeah. It might it might not have been a jam factory, but it was some sort of factory anyway. Yeah. Probably Amazing. should have looked that up before we start, yeah. shouldn't I? But <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh, Brazil brought their squad out this week. Um absolutely ridiculously good squad. Um yeah. you know, the attacking talent at their disposal is unreal. Uh, it means Roberto Firmino has missed out and uh, and Mateus Cunha. Um feel sorry for both of them, or do you think that's uh, kind of fair enough? Yeah, fair enough. Honestly, yeah. you look at the attacking talent they've got. I think the one feel hard done by is Gabriel uh, at centre back. Mm. Um, I know they've got some good centre backs. Brem has been okay since signing for Juventus. Not not spectacular. Neither of Juventus, to be honest. Um, obviously, Thiago Silva is full of experience. Um, who has the Marquinhos is there as well. Um, yeah, I think Gabriel, considering his age, how good he is, how well he's been playing for Arsenal, for all the same reasons that Ben White deserves a spot in the England squad, Gabriel maybe even more so yeah. um, for Brazil. So he's a little, a little bit hard done by. But yeah, in terms of the attacking talent, like if you're not getting into the Brazil squad, don't feel too hard done by up front. Yeah, like yeah. it's not, it's not really your fault. There's just some ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous talent in there. Yeah, I guess Firmino's kind of goals record has has let him down a little bit, probably there, hasn't it? Yeah, true. Not, not the most prolific striker. Also, I don't. It's probably stupid to say, but Brazil. I feel like they don't play with a prolific striker. That's not part mm. of their. Like Richarlison's not. Would you say Richarlison's prolific? No. Firmino. Really, yeah. No. Gabriel Jesus. No, not particularly mm. either. 
So it's all yeah. going to be about Vinicius for them at this World Cup. I yeah, think, yeah, he's going to be the, the star man. And, I and wouldn't Neymar, be surprised obviously. if Brazil started. I know they like to restart with Richarlison. He's taken the number nine shirt and he will play. But I wouldn't be surprised if quite a few times we see Brazil without basically a prolific forward because the goals mm. come from everywhere in the attacking area rather than just relying on one guy. Like if Richarlison doesn't score throughout the whole tournament, he'd probably still play. Yeah, yeah. like he's not the guy they turn to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know that you said you are you're starting to get in the mood for the World Cup, and we are going to do some pre World Cup podcasts. You know, previewing the previewing the World Cup and all that. So we'll save our proper predictions for them. But mm. let's just have a very early prediction from you right now. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup based on the squads that have been announced so far? Brazil. Yeah, me too. Always has me been. Too. Still, with it. I <laughs> just the quality is insane. I think they've got enough. They're, they're, they're brilliant, I think, defensively in the keepers, especially Alisson Edison. The thing about mm. Brazil for me is where we spoke about the drop-off in quality from Kane to, you know, the backups. They have so many match winners from the bench. Yeah. Like, if if it's not going right for Brazil, they could change the front three. Even like Gabriel Martinelli, who yeah, I yeah, think yeah, is a yeah, fabulous yeah. player. Like, brilliant. You know, everyone does, don't they? But yeah, I think, you know, even to have someone like that who may, may not even play is yeah. quite mad, really. Yeah. The fact that you could, I don't know, you could take off Vinicius, Richarlison and Neymar and bring on Rodrigo, Gabriel Jesus and Anthony. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, bring on Martinelli, <laughs> Rafinha and uh, who, who I've forgotten the other one was. Like... It's ridiculous the amount of game changes they've got in that attacking yeah. squad that I think Brazil can just blow teams away. And if they can't, they can always try something new, basically. Yeah. I like the look of Argentina as well, but I think uh, their squad's mm. a little bit top heavy, a little bit too attack oriented. There's not, you know, the defence yeah. would be, a, would be a, a weak point for me for Argentina. Especially with Romero being injured up until. Exactly. Well, yeah. It's just still out. Yeah, I, I would have to say, I would have to say Brazil. They're brilliant. Yep. But it's tournament football and uh, we know that anything can happen. Speaking of which, we've had the Carabao Cup this uh, this week. Yeah. Finally, the Carabao Cup is back in our lives and then it's uh, it's going away for a, for a while. Uh, but, uh, well, you know, some, some interesting results. Arsenal yeah. got knocked out. Spurs got knocked out. Man City beat Chelsea. Liverpool needed penalties to beat Derby County. Um, what do you think about the way that the big teams have uh, approached the Carabao Cup this year? Um, you know, Spurs, Arsenal, it, does it matter that you're out? Do you care? I mean, for Tottenham, it's a chance at a trophy. So it's a little bit mm. disappointing. And I think the nature of the performance was very poor. Uh, Nottingham Forest made nine changes to their starting mm. lineup and still better Tottenham. So I think it's a chance for every team to rest some players. Spurs as well had a pretty decent squad out. Um, I think it's just disappointment. I think it's, it's it's really disappointing for Spurs not to make it through against, I would say, a, a lesser side as opposed to, you know, Chelsea being knocked out by Manchester City. Fair enough. Like you could play your full strength squad and you're mm. still not going to win. That was a good game, that as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it would be disappointing, especially for Arsenal at home as well, um, to, to lose to Brighton, especially going one goal up. It's one of those where if you play a weak team, you're basically playing a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because if you lose, yeah. it's like, yeah, weak team. And if you get through, it's like, well, we've rested everyone and we're still through. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really odd. It's amazing that the next round, by the way, is three days after the World Cup final. That's right, yeah. I don't know if there's a bigger come down than if whichever team wins the World Cup final, if their players then go <laughs> away to, no disrespect to one of the lower league teams, on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Like, that is just, wow. 
I think yeah. uh, Charlton Athletic are the only London team left in the competition. Is that right? Which is yeah, it was oh, bizarre. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. West Ham were knocked out penalties by Blackburn. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Arsenal lost. Spurs lost. Chelsea lost. Um, I think. I think that was it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so yeah, the thought of someone heading from the World Cup final in Qatar to the Valley on yeah. a on a Wednesday night if they draw Charlton is just. I mean, we don't know what the draw is going to be yet because there's still yeah, yeah, one yeah. game to go tonight. But, uh, you know, whoever Erling Haaland is coming up against in that game, I would imagine is going to have a, a pretty uh, terrifying night's work ahead of them because that'll be his first game in six weeks. He'll be, he'll be raring to go, yeah, won't oh, he? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Manchester United Villa, isn't it? That's so, right, yeah, yeah. Tonight. That's on, yeah, uh, on yeah, Thursday yeah. evening. Uh, what do you think about the, the League Cup in general? Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of it as a Man City fan. You know, we, we win it quite a lot and uh, I, I enjoy it for that reason. I don't. I know that not everybody kind of shares that view of it. Really, you know, people have talked about scrapping it in recent years, and I wonder if this year of all years would have been maybe a year to sort of take a year off from the Carabao, maybe, and just uh, pull it to one side. Yeah, help with the fixture congestion a bit. I guess so, and especially the fact that there's a double leg semi final as well. It feels like that could have maybe not been the case. Mm. Um, yeah, Fr- France scrapped their their League Cup a couple of years ago. Mm. It was two seasons ago. France got rid of it just for scheduling purposes. I, I I don't know about the money side of it. Like, is it worth keeping for sponsorship money? How much do you win for winning the Carabao Cup? It can't be that much. Oh, I can't. Surely it's not worth it. I mean, yeah. that's the problem, though. It's worth it when a smaller team wins it. If I'm trying to think, who's the last? No offense to this team, the last smaller team to win it was probably Swansea, right? 2015. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, 13, yeah. 15, 13, 10, 13. I think it was 2013. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. So, and even then, Swansea is a Premier League side. The amount that they're winning isn't life changing. Like that money is only massive if someone like I don't know, like Charlton, for example, if they manage to get <laughs> and win it. But they're not because the gap's so big. Um, so yeah, I really don't think it's worth it if the it, it means nothing to the big teams who constantly win it. So I don't know. Maybe the Premier mm. League teams are out. Maybe the top six. Maybe if you get into Europe, you don't join at all. Yeah, maybe it's an under twenty threes trophy. It's well, they've already done that with the uh, Johnston's paint trophy uh, or whatever true. it's called, Papa John's pizza trophy nowadays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Well, what, what I would love to see in the Carabao this year is, because, uh, of course, Gillingham, they're the, the biggest giant killers of the round so far, mm. beating Brentford the other night. They could meet City in the final at Wembley and have a replay of the 1999 Division 2 playoff final <laughs> and finally get some revenge on City. Perhaps that would be uh, oh my an God. interesting twist of fate. Can't see it happening somehow, what, but uh, yeah. Was that what Paul Dickov scored? No. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gee. 2-0 down with five minutes to go. I was there, yeah, yeah. I was 11 years old. I bet you cried your heart out. My dad cried, actually. I didn't cry. Yeah, my dad, call, my dad. Calling him out on the podcast. Oh, he, oh he's, he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> he loves being reminded of that. <laughs> he wept. Who scored the other? Paul Dickoff. And- uh, it was Kevin Horlock got the first one. We were 2-0 down with five minutes ago. Kevin Horlock pulled one back. Dickoff got the equaliser and we won on penalties, yeah. Nicky Weaver saving the uh, the winning penalty. Nicky Weaver. There's a name yeah. for... Our older listeners out there, I'm not sure anyone sort of born this century would know Nicky Weaver. Probably not, probably not. But, Amazing. Uh, yeah, you, you should, because he's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, moving on to La Liga now. A uh, bit of an interesting uh, couple of games in there involving Barcelona and Real Madrid this week. So Barcelona beat Osasuna with 10 men uh, after Robert Lewandowski was sent off for one of the stupidest tackles I've seen from someone on a booking, mad. I think, ever. Like, I don't know what he was thinking there. But even crazier than that was Gerard Piquet was sent off on what is his final ever game for Barcelona without even being on the pitch. Sent off for... Uh, having a pop at the referee, basically. Uh, I think there was some quite dodgy decisions from that referee that, that night that uh, got P- PK's back up. And yeah. uh, what was it he said? I shit on y- your prostitute mother or something? Yeah. It's a very I, a common Spanish uh, insult, apparently. But yeah, I, I, bit of a weird one. You know what's weird about this for me is that PK's an experienced player. He's 35 years old, right? Firstly, he's got to know not to take it that far. He's been yeah. through... He's been in, involved in games that have had worse refereeing performances than than a half time at Osasuna, right? Which isn't like you know it's not like it's the Champions League final or something. No offense, Osasuna. He also, I, I, it feels like he should have, yeah, he should have known definitely throughout his career. But it, the red card didn't kind of make sense. It, it just feels like there was nothing in that game that was worth continuously going at. <laughs> The referee for, um, you know, just it, it kind of I don't know. Maybe he felt like he wanted to get a red card or go yeah. out on a high. I saw somebody <laughs> tweet: If this is how Gerard Piquet is going out, imagine how Sergio Ramos is going to go out in his <laughs> final game. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, it was very un like to be honest. Well, I, I was complain. wondering with, with PK whether it was a bit like that, whether he sort of goes, he's going down swinging, like you know, sort of last day, last day at work, don't care anymore, like tell you all to fuck off, kind of thing, or whether it was kind of the flip side of that, and the referee is thinking this is his last game, and he's been a he's been a prick here. I'm going to make a fucking name for myself, really, and send this guy off and make a big story out of this. Yeah. Wonder if there's some of that going on as well. I just feel like. There's no way PK hasn't done that before in bigger games, and he hasn't yeah. been sent off for it. Yeah, like, that's what being I mean. sent off on the bench is very unusual in football. Yeah. So for him to just follow him down at half time seems very odd. There's something yeah. a bit odd there. Yeah, um, very much so. I don't know. Who knows? He's been on Twitch ever since, though. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's done an interesting interview uh, on Twitch as well, where he's he's talked about a lot of things. Uh, one thing that he was saying, uh, you see this, he was saying that he um, he thinks 90 minutes is too long for a football match. He actually. Is a subscriber to that theory and said that he's, his kids find it distracted and are looking at the phones and can't concentrate for 90 minutes and thinks something should be done about it. I mean, this was a bit of a talking point around the Super League time, wasn't it? And uh, a lot of people were, in my opinion, quite rightly disgusted by that notion that we mm. should change the, the, le- the length of a football match. Are you disgusted by it? I am because it feels like we're giving in to bratty kids with no attention span. <laughs> that is like, at what point... Yeah, at what point do we just sort of go, oh, you know, it's like when you say my kid can't focus, so I'll just, you know, get him some pills or, you know, I'll just give him an iPad instead of being a parent. Not yeah. saying that if you do that, you're not a, you're not a good parent, of course. Um, but, you know, this whole sort of not giving in to people, you know, don't have an attention span or something. It seems a bit, oh, I get that it's the next generation and he's got a point that if his kids don't, then why would the next generation be interested in football? But it feels like football is lowering itself to TikTok standards of just sort of making everything interesting so kids don't get bored. It's (laughs) like, well, the rest of us like football too. It did did bring me to an interesting question though. Who decided on 45-minute halves? I don't know actually. I don't know how long it's been in place for or why. Because... 
football came out of rugby, right? Mm. Like 150 years ago. So who went, you know what? Stuff your 40 minutes per half in rugby. <laughs> We're going 45 We're going just to one-up you. Yeah. Now, now it's accepted because it's been in play so long, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Maybe it's just because we're so used to it that it just feels right for a football match to be 90 minutes. Uh, there's an awful lot of language around football that would have to change if they changed the timing, you know, like talking about like the hour mark in a game and things like that. And, uh, you know, all that all that sort of stuff uh, yeah. we'd, have to, we'd have to like rejig it. And I don't know, it just feels like that's what I like about football. It is um, over and done with inside two hours, even including half time. You know, it's not like... Sort of cricket that goes on all day or yeah. uh, anything like that. I just I just think it's like a, a nicely packaged thing that doesn't need to change. Like maybe there are lots of things that need to change about yeah. football, but that is one thing that is just fine. Don't mess around with it. I'd be really upset. I'd be more annoyed about that than anything. I think of than, than you know any kind of super yeah. league or anything that would really piss me off. I quite like the managerial phrase. We're like, yeah, it was a better second forty-five from the lads, and you yeah. wouldn't say that. You know what it does annoy me though when someone goes, "We're halfway through the first half," and it makes me think. We have to be on minute 22 and 30 seconds for us to be halfway through yeah, the first yeah, yeah. half. And that's a silly number to comment on. <laughs> you wouldn't say we're 26 and a half minutes in. So that's that annoys true, yeah. me. So if we could round that up, that would be great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've also had an email from David Aslan about PK. Uh, now, if you remember the podcast that we did last week, we have some suspicions that David Aslan might be Lionel Messi, writing under <laughs> an assumed name. Yeah. So maybe he's got some insight into Barcelona here, but he says, uh, I get the feeling that PK was forced to retire by Laporta. I think there were reports that he no longer feels respected at Barcelona. Barcelona are in a financial crisis. They're out of the Champions League and PK is one of their highest earners alongside Busquets, who also confirmed that he's retiring at the end of the season. I don't think he's retiring as he's leaving Busquets, but um, yeah, he's I probably going to so, go yeah. to MLS or something. Um, has it got to a point where Barcelona are so overly leveraged that they have no other option than to sell their best players and kick out their captains? Is it downhill from here or do they have yet another lever trick up their sleeve? Now, I mean, I do think it's a bit sad the way that PK has left the club, like middle of the season and and all that kind of thing. I, mm. I, I do wonder if it's kind of a sensible thing though, whether the time is kind of right for him to move on. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, that... There was also reports that maybe he didn't feel like he could contribute so much on the pitch. It just seems weird. And he has a lot of money, as David says, that's it. Yeah. Like, so it's, yeah. It just feels weird, doesn't it? Like mid-season, sort mm. of. If you knew you were going to retire, do it before or wait until the end. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe there could be an argument with Laporta and PK's trying to sort of play the good guy card and salvage a bit of... Um, not that he's lacking respect from the club, but... From what I've seen from it, PK's heavily interested in returning and definitely on the mm. business side. I know he's very much into his business and sports business and it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be wrong to rule him um, to say that, you know, he could end up as Barcelona president one day. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's trying to curry some favour with those involved, um, or sort of work his way in sooner rather than later. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. There's probably a lot there's probably a lot that he's not allowed to say on Twitch. Um, Probably, yeah. Not yeah. because of platform guidelines, just because he doesn't want it out in the open and you never know what goes on behind it. Will, it will come out in the, the autobiography, I'm sure, won't it, or something like that. Oh, maybe yeah. We'll, we'll learn all about it one day. And, and it'll be called Peaked Your Interest. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Hire it's me. Real. PK blind to that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I see what we're doing here. I've, I've used that pun so many times that even I'm sick of it now, to be honest. But yeah. PK blinder. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Uh, another quick thing on La Liga before we move on. Real Madrid got beat this week mm. uh, in their, well, it's not called, it is a derby, but no one really calls that the derby, do they? But it's against their Rio Vallecano away. Um, I don't know if you saw that great uh, footage that was going around of um, 
of that shot from Fede Valverde that ended up on someone's balcony uh, behind the stadium. It's a great little Brilliant. stadium, that Bayeka Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think about Real Madrid at the moment? I mean, they've um, they've been without Karim Benzema recently, which is a bit of a problem for them. Uh, some suspect that maybe Benzema is saving himself for the World Cup and is as, as sort of voluntarily asked to not play. Um, he is technically supposed to be injured. Mm. Um, do you think that could be? Do you think maybe the, the title race has swung back in Barcelona's favour a little bit? Yeah, that would, that would be a little bit of a weird one because I didn't really have Barcelona pegged for a title race, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But start to the season has been brilliant. Uh, they won again against Osasuna, like we mentioned the other day. Uh, and now they're five points clear, I think. Ahead. I think they play tonight, Real Madrid. They do, yeah. Um, it's the last game, isn't it, before the World Cup, yeah. So I I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Benzema thinks Real Madrid could do without him. I guess, you know, at his age, he's going to be, I think, 35 or 36 on, the, on Christmas Eve, something like that. Um, he... Yeah, I guess maybe he's looking at, at this point of his career thinking this could be an all-timer of a year. This could be a Champions League, La Liga, Ballon d'Or, World Cup year, um, to which point he might as well just retire because it doesn't really much get better than that. So, yeah, yeah I don't really know, to be honest. He, he At this point, he could pretty much do what he wants at Real Madrid. and <laughs> yeah, he's, he's done enough for the club over the last 13 years. So maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but... I think Real Madrid are definitely in a title race, mm. uh, and who knows? It's going to be uh, like we like we mentioned a million times. It'll be very interesting seeing what happens when everyone yeah, comes back. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- well, I think Benzema's situation is kind of similar to Messi's at PSG. I don't think he's been playing recently to kind of save mm. himself for the World Cup and avo- avoid injury. Is that fair enough? Do you think for players? I mean, we've seen Sadio Mane. Apparently, he's still going to be named in Senegal's squad despite uh, the mm. injury that he picked up playing for Bayern Munich the other the other night. Do you think it's uh, it's fair for players to put themselves first in this situation, particularly those older players for whom it probably is going to be Benzema's last World Cup and Messi's last World Cup? Yeah, I, but I, I, yes, but I wonder if I'm saying that because of the players that they are and the chance they've got at, at winning at glory. Mm. You know, if if we had um, like kind of a bit of an older player in one of the yeah, quote-unquote weaker squads who wasn't playing, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. mate, but it's not about you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of like an older player. If like Scott Carson refused to play and was like, no, <laughs> I've got the chance of glory with England, you'd be like, Scott, firstly, I'm not sure about England's chances. Secondly, they don't hinge on whether you're Why involved Why wasn't Carson in the squad? Great <laughs> yeah. question. No one's talking about that, are they? <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, yeah. you know, it, but obviously, for Benzema and Messi and Ronaldo and the likes, like their success does hinge on those players' involvements mm. and the squad has a much better chance of winning when they're in it. So, yeah, for that, I can understand because, yeah. you know, like I mentioned, they are. And it, it's definitely going to be their last one, the last of I think we'd all, we'd all have a great laugh if Cristiano Ronaldo got injured playing in the Carabao Cup tonight, wouldn't we? And, and couldn't play at his, uh, his last yeah, World Cup. Yeah, do you think he's going to play? I think they've got Fulham He, w- he wouldn't Sunday. find that funny, I don't think, but uh, everyone else would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think they might have Fulham on Sunday as well. So, who knows? Like maybe Ronaldo just won't play either of these games. Yeah, which... Rashford? Lost to United at the moment, is it really? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rashford might, might play, might not play. I'd, I don't know. I, I get the feeling that, you know, over the next four days, we're going to see a couple more injuries across, you know, across the world. Mm. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yep. Uh, perhaps the biggest story of the week in the Premier League uh, so far anyway, is the news that uh, FSG have apparently put Liverpool up for sale, looking for a buyer. Uh, is that necessary for Liverpool in the the sort of next step of their evolution, their ability to compete with the 
Manchester cities and PSGs of this world, do you think? Do they need to sell uh, to a, a richer owner than FSG or someone who is prepared to invest more in the club than FSG are? Yeah, I would say that it was the prepared to invest rather than mm. a richer owner because FSG are... Not, they're not sitting exactly. on quite a, quite yeah. a small fortune, I thought, yeah. really, that they're just not willing to spend on Liverpool. I guess it's a reaction, What the way I perceive it, it's kind of a reaction to what Klopp said about not being able to keep up with the Newcastles and Cities. And FSG have done and will continue to face pressure to keep up with them. And obviously they're like, you know what, we're going to have to keep up with Newcastle, City and PSG over the coming years. We don't quite fancy it. And yeah. and you know what? In some sense, I don't quite blame them. I don't, you know that they're being told by by you know the footballing world is basically demanding that they sign Mbappe or spend three four hundred million every mm. summer, and you know that's quite a lot to ask from your owners unless they've got unlimited funds. You know, like the yeah. teams I mentioned before. So I guess they're just looking for further investment. I'm, I'm not sure they're going to completely up sticks and sell the whole thing, right? No, maybe just invite some more investment. Yeah, which. Uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're looking. They're looking for some ways to compete, and at some level, it's kind of got to be credited. If they think they're not the guys to take Liverpool forward, um, and someone else would be in a better place to do so, then fair enough for realizing it. Mm-hmm. But that's a sad state of affairs when Liverpool, who have riches that most other Premier League teams would love to dream about, don't think that they're rich enough. Yeah. If you were a Liverpool fan right now, and uh, and this was going on, would you be concerned about the possibility of money coming into the club from? Let's say a nation with a poor human rights record. I think I saw someone. Someone There's been some rumours about Dubai-based investors this week, for example. Yeah, someone was tweeting about this the other day, saying basically, if you're a billionaire, you haven't got that money without fucking someone over. Oh, ah, yeah. There's no good billionaires. Yeah, there's no good billionaires. <laughs> so whoever buys them, whether it's someone from America, the Middle East, or the Far East, blah blah blah. Um, y- y- it's going to be someone who's screwed over, not just one person, mm. but quite a lot of people. Now, of course, I'm not saying financially or in a business sense, screwing people over is compared with a poor human rights record. because That's horrendous. That's far worse than screwing someone over in business. Um, but yeah, there's almost this weird sort of morality with following your club these days where, you know, do you think... Oh, I'm, Don't I know it, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do I turn a blind eye to these yeah. horrors? You know, it wasn't my fault that my team got bought out, that I've been supporting from pre, pre-money pre days, basically, you know, like you have, for example. Mm. So, yeah, it, it comes with a big a big question that if you, yeah, like we said, like if you've got enough money to buy a football club, you aren't, you know, you've probably got quite a few skeletons in your closet. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I'm... I wouldn't say I'm keen to see uh, investment from from that part of the world coming into Liverpool, but I do think it would be very interesting because I do think Liverpool fans, to their credit, to be fair, have been um, perhaps the most vocal fan base in the country Mm. about the ownership at City and and at Newcastle. And I've always thought that it's not just the fans of Manchester City and Newcastle's kind of cross to bear, it's football's problem as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would kind of like to see those people kind of have to grapple with that dilemma a little bit as well. I think it's almost been a little bit too easy for some people to kind of pin all the football's ills on a couple of clubs and say these are the bad people and we're the good people and uh, yeah I think it'll be interesting but even if that meant that Liverpool became super rich and could then buy Kylian Mbappe like you know that's just the way that football's going isn't it really yeah I mean that's going to happen at some stage right someone's going to buy yeah. him that's that's the point that we've got to is that if they don't take over Liverpool, they'll take over someone else and yeah. make them really good and sign a Bappe. And I'll be interested to see how Jurgen Klopp reacts to all this. Not that I'm saying he should react in any specific way, but you know he's uh, 
recently had a few things to say about City's ownership as well, and it would be interesting to see if uh, he would kind of yeah he should have known he was resign or something into a hole yeah 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 like you that was always going to happen, and I I feel not I feel bad, but I would. You know, that's a tough position to be in, especially like, you know, Eddie Howe was talking about it. He was grilled about it in his first few mm. press conferences in January yeah. when he came in and he's kind of like, I'm a football manager. He was asked about beheadings in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and yeah. I just thought, what's Eddie Howe supposed <laughs> to say about that? Yeah. I'm sorry, but like, what is he supposed to say? Like, <laughs> there's, there's not really much to say. Like, yeah. he's obviously going to either deflect or say they're absolutely horrible as yeah. much as he can. Like, he's not going to sit there, think about it and go, well, you know, what did they do? Yeah. Like, he, he, oh, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Yes. yeah. like it, it, it's such a, it's such a difficult question to pose because I think everyone knows the answer. I think the yeah. person asking Eddie Howe knows that beheadings are terrible. Mm. It's no, a bit of a gotcha. I thought yeah. like, there's a lot of that going around, unfortunately. Yeah. But. It's setting, it's setting them up for a trap. And I, it, it's tough. It's it's tough for fans and everyone. And like I said, these these people have come in and taken over clubs that, you know, some people have supported for 50, 60, 70 years. Mm-hmm. Like you ask the oldest Liverpool fan what he thinks about it and if he's suddenly going to stop supporting Liverpool. Yeah. I don't think so. And it'd be I don't, fan, Fans shouldn't be expected to have to stop supporting their club mm. because some, you know, let's say dodgy people take over. But... You know that has that has been what people have said to me in in, in recent years. Yeah, like, yeah. You shouldn't support City because, and it's a bit like oh, I think it's a bit unfair. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so anyway. it's like you, you you could just a lot of whataboutery. I believe is the indeed. Word. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, on the subject of money in football, there's been a report this week that apparently Manchester City are leading the chase for Jude Bellingham in the summer. Of, uh, I've even heard a rumor from someone who's supposedly in the know that Bellingham has already said yes to City. Um, I don't know how true that is. We'll we'll see. Uh, some pretty astronomical figures being talked about for him. 140 million, it could be something like that, um, to buy him. With that in mind, what would City be the most likely candidate for them? Would it be a good fit for him to go there, do you think? Yes, 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 and yes. I think he's a phenomenal footballer. I'm not sure if he's worth 140 million. That seems a bit excessive to I, me. I feel uncomfortable about that. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's a bit like the Grealish one. It's putting too much pressure on on him really yeah well the, the thing is these footballers are kind of long-term investments and especially when someone's so young Bellingham's 19 I think mm-hmm. uh, he might be 20 right at the end of the season I believe he has a summer birthday um or might he might be 18 still are you gonna it, sell him a card yeah I would do actually <laughs> it'll just say hey Jude that <laughs> looks so sad um <laughs> No, it won't. Get out. That's why he'd be such a good fit for Liverpool. Because that, yeah. that's... Uh, Beatles back in the charts. But, but mind you, City do play Hey Jude at the end of matches for reasons which have never been explained to me, but that is a thing, so yeah. Because they subliminally try to bring him in. It must be, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it would be a, a hell of a lot of money. And I think, like I mentioned, footballers these days are seen as long-term investments. When you consider, like, much the same with Erling Haaland, however much he was paid unofficially, you know, this behind-the-scenes mm. talk of money, that to get Bellingham at a young age, to get the success with him, to get the success that the team would have with him in it for six, seven years, right? Let's say seven years and you're paying 20 million a season to have a good Bellingham. And then you sell him for potentially more, potentially less, but potentially mm. still quite a lot of money, 120, whatever, in six years' time. You're making your money back and then some. Yeah, you know, I mean, this his his stock is rising, 
And when you spread out the costs of 140 million, it seems like a good business investment, yeah. which is basically what football is now. So that 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 figure is astronomical to basically buy a human being. Mm. Um, but yeah, I could see why you know City would put together that sort of package. And like we've seen, Dortmund are pretty good at holding out for big money. Um, they, you know, obviously there was the release clause in Haaland, but the money they got for Sancho, the money they got for Usman Dembele, um, they can hold out for big prices. Mm. Um, and there's definitely, you know, he's obviously gonna gonna get a lot of wage, uh, a lot per week in wages. And I think I just yeah. think I just think you can do everything. There isn't, a, in my mind, there isn't a team that he doesn't fit in. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah I, th- I think he'd be a great fit for City if he came. I would be delighted by that. Sign. And but, Pe- uh, Pep has such a pull as well. Like, yeah, yeah, and it makes me think that Pep's staying as well because obviously his contract's up at the end of the season. He was a little bit. Uh, coy about it when asked about it in a press mm. conference the other day with a little, a little twinkle in his eye so they'll talk about it over Christmas which makes me think that it'll probably extend as well which is uh, you know not great news for the rest of football but yeah. brilliant news for Manchester <laughs> City so happy about that yeah. uh, let's uh, let's move on to a couple of uh, pretty funny stories that have been uh, knocking around this week so um, you and I were talking on the podcast on Monday about um, pre-match post-match meals basically mm. uh, you see this there was a story in Germany that Schalke goalkeeper I think he's the uh, the second choice goalkeeper now Ralph Fairman uh, has been asked by the sporting director to stop eating cake in the dressing room before matches <laughs> is this is this for like he's making a mess his crumbs everywhere or it's just unhealthy <laughs> I think yeah I think dietary wise it's uh, not not ideal for pre-match food is it a I slice mean, of cake he is supposed to be a Top level elite athlete, but I guess look if he's if he's training well, if he's hitting his macros, you know, and he's in good shape, <laughs> then why not? Was it wasn't there like that English keeper subkeeper who ate a pie at halftime? Oh yeah, the the, uh, the, uh, the Sutton United guy Wayne something wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, was it Wayne Shaw? Wayne Shaw, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he got, ate, I think he got sacked by the club, didn't he? Well, wasn't it some sort of like um, Paddy Power like advert or something that he was doing as well? Like a betting some, scan. Yeah, it was something to do with that. Yeah, there was like pe- some people put bets on it that, that you would eat a, a pie or a pasty at a certain point. If Ralph Ferman yeah. doesn't have a cake sponsorship by Christmas, exactly, I'd be very yeah. disappointed. <laughs> yeah, maybe that is a little bit odd. Like, there's a time and a place, mate. If you really want to eat cake, just sit at home and eat eat cake. You don't need yeah. to make a show of it and bringing it into the dressing room. That's a little bit odd. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I actually was so curious about the story that I asked one of our colleagues what kind of cake it was. And uh, apparently it was uh, Streuselkuchen, which is, uh, I looked it up and I've seen it before. It's kind of like a crumbly, uh, yeah, Streusel is, is fruity crumbly, yeah, cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you um, know what? He's, he's picked a decent cake. Because my first thought was maybe it was somebody's birthday. And if so, like, <laughs> don't, be a, don't be a dick about it. Like, have yeah. a slice of cake. He's not even playing probably. So, but yeah. Yeah, that's the, is, is that the least athletically, physically demanding position on the football team? The subkeeper? Exactly, yeah. Probably. Don't do anything, do they, yeah. What's he going to do? Yeah. Throw up a bit of cake if he gets on. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently another interesting story from Schalke was that uh, the assistant coach uh, has criticised Alex Kral for driving a yellow Lamborghini uh, because that's obviously the colour of their great rivals, Borussia Dortmund. Oh, yeah, he should have So he's going to have to get a, get a spray job on that or something, I think, yeah. I, I always wondered that. Uh, one time Danny Rose uh, played for Spurs um, a few for a few games with red hairdo. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, Danny, you've been at the club, you know, quite some time now. You know that Arsenal are red. That's just not, yeah, yeah, it's just not really a thing. I don't know, maybe it is. Who knows? Yeah, I Well, people get very tribal about these kind of things, don't they? And uh, won't have any red in their house. And, you know, if they're City fans or whatever, like, have. My dad's like that. Is he? He never, 
never owned a piece of red clothing or ever bought me or my brother a piece of red clothing, ever. <laughs> Did He's you uh, cancel your, your O2 subscription when they sponsored Arsenal as well? <laughs> we, my dad used to do that. We, we weren't allowed any Sharp products in the house, uh, you know, Sharp Electronics, because they sponsored yeah. Man United for so long. That was a, Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. And my there dad it go. goes into shops and, like, if he sees United shirts, he'd, like, cover them up with, like, City shirts and... Uh, <laughs> Proper, like, bitter stuff, but, like, yeah. you've got to love that, it, haven't you? That's, that's what the game's all about. I, that's why I don't visit Rwanda. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why I don't... Or, <laughs> nor do I fly Emirates. Yeah. Probably because I can't afford it. Not actually yeah. because yeah, of yeah, Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not that petty. Yeah. Uh, Someone who is quite petty is Jose Mourinho. Uh, he had a, a pretty interesting press conference after uh, Roma's draw with Sassuolo. You did a video on this today. Perhaps yeah, you yeah. can explain, explain what went on there. The unnamed 16th man. Oh, well, in true yeah. Jose fashion, he basically said that he was very delighted of his 15 players with a great attitude on the pitch and their one will draw Sassuolo, um, except for one. And that 16th player had a bad attitude, so much so he told him he can find himself a new club for January. That is brutal to be told that off the back of one performance and even more so for him to basically out him in a press conference. Um, The Italian media basically did some digging and it turns out it looks like, unconfirmed as of yet, it's Rick Karsdorp, the right back, the former fine old man who has had a career dogged with injuries. He's 27 now, I think. He he, he had a full season last year for the one and only season at Roma. Uh, The year before that, he was in the majority actually as well. But certainly last season was his best season, you know, finished it winning the um, the Conference League against his former club, actually, in the final. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he came on and didn't really do much. And Jose's just obviously obviously, um, obviously had enough. The weird thing I thought about it was, how do you sell him? <laughs> how do you sell a product that you've openly admitted is poor yeah yeah you know you're like buy this guy you know you should pay our six million because his attitude stinks like that, that was gonna pay if they if they know you don't put he... a phone on ebay do you and go it's it's rubbish uh, yeah. it doesn't work properly <laughs> uh the screen's cracked yeah. uh 200 euros please do you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of odd so i i imagine you know i'm not actually sure when his contract runs out but i would imagine that he'll find a loan deal somewhere he did spend yeah. one year back on loan with Feyenoord. Um, when he didn't quite make it into the team, I think 2019. Um, so yeah, he. Uh, it's not like Jose to deflect attention away from a bad result like this, is it? It's yeah, very well, the out thing of is, character for him. Yeah. They scored late on. Tammy Abraham scored with a great header, and then they yeah. conceded an even later equaliser. So he's obviously a bit annoyed. They obviously mm. lost the Rome lost derby. To Lazio, yeah. Um, and to Lazio, and you know they're falling a little bit behind in the race for the top four. So, yeah, I guess I guess things aren't. I don't think it's going terribly at Roma. This is hardly unusual for Jose in a press conference. Yeah. But yeah, for him to just basically call someone out, it might not be <laughs> Karsdorp, but from every, yeah. all the evidence, it is him. Sounds like it, yeah. yeah. Right, let's finish today with a couple of emails we've had. Remember, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, uh, you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com. Uh, you can also tweet us, but no one ever seems to really do that. They tend to just stick to the emails, which is uh, absolutely fine by me. Uh, so this one is from D- Dylan McKay. He says, hi guys, my name is Dylan McKay. I've been listening to the podcast for several years now from Arkansas in the USA. Uh, some people love to see modernization and change in sports rather than constantly seeing these new competitions like the Club World Cup and the Nations League. What if we saw some new laws enacted? So he's got several examples here. We'll uh, we'll go through them one by one. Uh, I'd like to have your opinion on these as well as which ones you would most like to see. Uh, player who wins a penalty has to take it. 
The goalkeeper is already at such a disadvantage. I'd love to see a centre-back get fouled on a corner and be the penalty taker like in basketball. At the very least, the player who gets fouled should be credited with the assist. I love that one, personally. I think that's a great idea. Don't you? Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool idea. Um, yeah, it's a cool idea. I think it kind of takes away from the speciality of having like a set-piece taker, having a penalty taker who's really good. Um, if a goalkeeper's at such a disadvantage, I would rather scrap that one foot on the line rule. Yeah, and I suppose um, the question is, what would you do if it was a handball? Oh, I didn't even think yeah. of that. Yeah, you're right. That would be a little bit odd. Uh, you can't really dictate how a team plays or who kicks it or who takes a set piece. I'm not mm. sure we'd really see it, but interesting, interesting. It's quite, it's quite a fun idea, I think, yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, potential post-match consequences for diving that VAR hasn't caught. We see it with violent conduct and horror tackles. This would dissuade players from diving, could only be punished if super egregious and blatant. Again, I think that's a pretty good idea. Good idea. Very, very difficult to kind of look back and Spend hours. It, pouring it, it, over it does kind of open up a can of worms. I, I, I'd imagine that that, one, yeah. that line will be more blurred than any line we've ever seen. Like, yeah. you'd spend so long, yeah, discussing it, talking about it, and I don't envy whoever's got to do that. So, exactly, I'm yeah. not so sure about that one. Yeah. Another quite fun one: uh, kick-ins in addition to throw-ins, but limit the distance of an allowed kick-in. Uh, you could quickly take a short kick, but not be allowed to hit it cross-field or switch play. Or better yet, one-handed throw-ins. I would love to see how far some of these guys could throw it into the penalty area. <laughs> okay, the, the the throwing rule, fine. I, two feet on the ground. I don't care if you do it on one foot. I don't yeah, care if the ball doesn't it? go yeah. over your head. Like just with your hands, throw the ball back in. Whether you you know three pointer, whether you're <laughs> swinging it overarm, whether you're going full baseball, whether you're going to bowl it like ten pin bowl, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just get the ball back in play. The thing about kicking, again, talking about blurred lines, how are you going to be able to tell how far it goes? Like, imagine if you say, right, no more kick-ins further than 20 yards. What about when it gets to 19.9 yards and someone's like, well, technically I dummied it, so I was in possession, so the kick only went 19. And maybe I'm thinking about it too much. Clearly I am. (laughs) Uh, There's a very thin line that's difficult to draw with with kick-ins. Yeah, I Um, agree. agree. And also that completely negates the need for a corner, right? If you could just kick it in. That's it, exactly. It'd It'd be even better than a corner, wouldn't it? the angle yeah, that you could get true. into the box would be even more uh, desirable than a corner, I would say. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not having that one, but I think just using your hands in whichever way you want, you can even spike it like in volleyball. Just just throw it back on the pitch. Get the, get the game going. Yeah. Get the game going. Yeah. And the last one is, as a referee, uh, this could be nice. Only captains are allowed to have a full-on discussion with the referee. Like in rugby, players can make quick remarks, of course, but lengthy arguments and a whole team in the referee's face and berating them will be over. I mean, that one is technically supposed to already be in place, yeah, isn't yeah, it? The yeah. captains are only supposed to be allowed to, to speak to the referee. You don't see it enforced very much, I find. Uh, in fact, City played last the other week and Jamie Vardy called the referee a fucking prick to his face. And, like, ref didn't do anything. It was a bit like, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. You could clearly see him, like, lip, you know, lip read it that he said that. But That's one of those sort of old unwritten rules that, yeah. You're allowed to give the ref a bit a bit of jib and you're allowed to swear on the football pitch and the the first referee that says I don't actually like being called a prick <laughs> uh and and send someone off it's going to be like oh yeah but but he said this and but that happens all the time it's part and parcel of the game so that that would be extraordinarily difficult to eradicate um just like it would players you know surrounding the referee it'd be so mm. difficult yeah, it'd be so difficult. And I think the problem now with VAR is it's almost like 
claim a foul, ask the ref if we'll go and check it on the monitor mm. and then see what happens. And then if it wasn't a foul, then, you know, no harm, yeah. no foul, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it would be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be so difficult to implement. And yeah, what, what would happen? Like, is the ref going to whip out four red cards and be like, well, <laughs> you're not captain. You're not captain. You're not captain. Like yeah. it, that would just it'd be absolute havoc. So yeah. yeah, it is in play now, um, but just doesn't really happen. Yeah, we've seen enough red cars this week, haven't we? That uh, I don't think we exactly. need any more of them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And uh, thank you, Dylan, for that email. Uh, very good email. And this one is from Carlos Lopez. He says, if there was a FIFA award for the most improved player, who would you have in mind? Uh, I really hope I don't jinx any of these players. He said, uh, Miguel Almiron as one. Let's not let Jack Grealish be right. <laughs> Eric Maxim Chupomoting, Chris Smalling, Kepper, and Thomas Party are some of the names that come to mind. Uh, all pretty good shouts, I would say. Any, anyone that you would add to that list? Lionel Messi. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, what were we talking about since the start of the season? I guess so, yeah, this season only, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one because most improved you're looking Erling at. Erling Haaland, I think he's better than he was yeah. last season. <laughs> True, like has someone... has it's not someone, the spirit of the award, these, not these ones I'm saying, I know that, yeah. Someone might have returned to form, which means they're not improved, mm. they're just better, they're just back to their normal selves. Like Marcus Rashford has been brilliant this season, but yeah. he is that good, he just hasn't been it for a year or two. Um, someone who's improved a lot, yeah. Uh, Miguel Almiron, I think, has been brilliant. Um, He'd be the winner of that for me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would have to say probably Almiron. I'm trying to think. I actually think as much as I don't particularly like him too much. Granite Xhaka has come a long way in this Arsenal oh, yeah. team. That's a good shout. Yeah, um, a long, long way. So yeah, maybe Xhaka as well. But I guess Almiron takes headlines, right, with goals. Yeah. So yeah, probably him. I don't think it would ever become an official thing. This because it's it's kind of like damning with fake praise, isn't it? The mm. most improved thing. You, you see, you get it at like amateur level, don't you? Teams always award a most improved player, and it's it's basically like say used to be really shy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, now you're not too bad. So. I, I won that award once at school, most <laughs> improved player, and I was like, yes. And I got up to the stage, and I was like, no, oh, actually, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Everyone used to doubt me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we'll leave it there for today, I think. I think. Uh, thank you to Carlos for that email. Thank you to Matt for joining me. We'll be back on Monday to uh, talk about the final weekend of action before the World Cup in Qatar kicks off. So uh, join us again then, everybody. We'll see you there.